Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Get your Bibles out, turn to Jeremiah 31 for me. I wanna not spend a lot of time going over uh, review. I wanna just really dive in. We spent some time on some other things. Um, It is Father's Day, and so my message today I'm gonna direct it more towards men, but understand it's applicable to everybody. You know the word is applicable to everybody, everything in the word, amen? So I know sometimes if we're gonna be teaching on a marriage series and you had a bad marriage or you're single, you just don't wanna, I just don't wanna hear that again. No, there's something there for you. If we do Mother's Day, there's something there for you, Father's Day, all that. Anytime we open the word of God, there's something for you, amen? And so, men, we're gonna direct this mostly to you, but there's something for everybody. But I also wanna let you men know that we have a Father's Day gift, and it's really kind of a cool little gadget here. It's a little, um, what is it, tape measure, right? <laughs> I don't know what it is. They're tools. I don't know what they are. They're tools. I don't know. What they are. I'm more comfortable with a bear. No, I'm just kidding. That's weird. That's weird. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> So uh, on here on the tape measure, uh, what our team did decide is to put this phrase, a church's greatness is measured by its people. So it's a tape measure. And so that is a quote from my dad, the founding pastor, and he had a, a message. In fact, the quote is out there in its entirety on the wall next to his picture as a founding pastor, the, the measure of a great church. So that's kind of a fun little thing. Put it in your car, put it in your pocket, whatever you do. And we know it'll eventually end up with a wife or children. So anyways, <laughs> grab one, dad's out there. And then Kona Ice for everybody, right? On a hot, is it hot? Oh my gosh, it's so hot. So we got snow cones for everybody. Get them before they melt, and uh, they'll be out. Well, wait till service is over, and they'll be out there. Jeremiah 31.1 is an amazing scripture. It's changed, literally, one of those scriptures that's changed my thinking on things. It's, I know that God is my God, and God is the God over all of Israel, inferring over all his people. And then it goes on to say this, and they will be my people. And it really made me question, would I be seen or known as his people? And that's based on my outward life, right? So how's any gonna, but God knows I love him, right? We say that all the time. And, but if we don't live like love, how do people know? Like when I said I do to my spouse and I said I love you, it's important for her to see that every day, right? Like, well, I said it at the altar, aren't we good, right? <laughs> and so it's like, the whole idea for me was, God's my God, but does everybody know it? Does my life reflect that? Does he know it? If he looked down from heaven, would he see himself in me? Would he see his character and his nature represented in me? Because ultimately, that's the goal. And so we spent time throughout the course of this series really going through some things to help us frame our family, find the values out of the word of God so that we reflect a life, a marriage, a family that looks like God. So when God looks down from heaven, he sees us and he blesses what he sees himself in. I think some of the time, sometimes when we're struggling and finding life difficult, maybe it's because we're not reflecting the life, love, and power of Jesus because God says that he's gonna promote that. He's gonna honor that. He's gonna bless that. And so we can pray all day, pray all day, pray all day, ask him for this, but I think more than anything, if we'll just get a few things lined up with the word and get in line, right, get in agreement and alignment the last week, then we'll see the blessings of God flow from heaven down. And so I just wanna encourage you this morning to open up your hearts today. I I have a a message that I wanna focus on mission because ultimately, this is our mission. And we used this puzzle and we said uh, that this puzzle really, like God would paint a picture for each and every one of our lives. That's what we are to look like. So therefore, that's our goal. That's our mission, if you will. And everything in this box fits in a way 
that looks like this. You don't have to add to the box and you don't have to take away and you can't take away from the box. Because if you add to, then it no longer looks like the picture God created. If you take away, it no longer looks like the picture God created. And so everything we need, he's already given us the pieces. We need to see how they fit together, not based on how we feel, however, or culture or society or politics or every, whatever you wanna say. And so that's our goal is to look like that. So that's ultimately our mission. And we talked about building the foundation in a way that would stand so we could continue to build upon that and build upon that to look like the picture. Today, I wanna take a look at a, a man's life in a scripture named Joseph that will help us understand how to get there. What is it gonna take for you and I to get there? Because understand this, if this is the picture, God will show me the picture, but he won't show me the path. And that's our struggle, isn't it? Well, how do I get from where I am today to this? I mean, there, how do I manage that? What does that look like? Because the problem is for a lot of us, if we don't see it, like, if we don't see it happening like we see the picture, then we quit and we give up, we get frustrated. But God has a plan on the path. And he'll use the path to grow you, shape you, because the way you look today is not like this. You need some molding, some shaping. You need some work, right? We all need some work. You need a little work, right, before you look like that. You need a little bit of work. Let's take a look at 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 7. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. The man Jesus Christ. So he worked through the man, Jesus Christ, amen? So it's not like, oh yeah, but he was God. No, yes, he was, but as the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. It's been revealed. And for this purpose, revealing Jesus as the mediator, Jesus the man became the mediator between God and earth, or heaven and earth. For this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle, and I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, in case you're wondering, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. So Paul is saying, this is what it's to look like. Jesus came to be revealed as the mediator between God and man. The goal is this, and Jesus is gonna help us get there by revealing who he is. How is he revealed on the earth today? Through his people. Remember it said the man, Jesus Christ. So he is, God is revealed through Jesus, or God is revealed through his people on the earth today, amen? So our lives, our goal is for our lives to reveal Jesus. So my life's purpose is to reveal Jesus so that it looks like this, and so I'm a witness to those things. Jesus had a mission, we have a mission. Paul had a mission, we have a mission. That's our mission, to look like Jesus, to reveal him in a way that points people to God and what he has for him. Now, let's read Genesis 37, three through 11, because I talked about Joseph, let's set it up. Now, Israel, love, Israel, the word Israel here is actually the name for Jacob, Joseph's father. Jacob wrestled with the angel and, and he got a blessing, and then the angel said, your, your name will now be Israel. So Israel, which would be Jake, uh, Joseph's father, Jacob, loved Joseph, his youngest at that time, more than any of his sons, because he had been born to him in his old age and he had made an ornate robe for him. Now when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field and when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to it. Probably not something you wanna share with your brothers that hate you, right? But anyways, 
His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more as if they could, right? Because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream. And if he didn't learn the first time, he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And they said, we don't want to hear it. Keep your mouth shut. No. And they said, and at this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told this to his father as well as to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept that matter in mind. Now, I think that's an amazing scripture in the context of what we've been studying because really the dream that God gave him, and let's just talk about the wheat, the sheaves of wheat, that picture right there where Joseph sheaf gathering of grain would rise up and the others would bow down was really a picture. It was a picture or a mission. It was a goal. And we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there and you'll see it. But they didn't understand it at the, mo- at the moment. It was a mission that would be revealed at some point in time, but they viewed it as a position on the now. And so because it looked like Joseph was saying, I'm gonna be in a position above you and you're gonna be in a position beneath me, they hated him. But really all it meant, and you get to the end of the story and we'll study it in a moment, is there's gonna be a mission that Joseph is gonna be put in a position that in the midst of a famine, he can take care of his family and God's people. Are you with me? There's a difference between the mission and the position. We have a tendency to focus on the position. What do you mean you're better than me? What do you mean I'm gonna bow down to you? And it wasn't that at all. And Joseph in his immaturity, if we can say it this way, he did not understand that it was about the mission, not the position. Come on, somebody. And I wanna say to everybody this morning, especially men, it's about the mission, not the position. It's the mission we should seek not the position. And as long as we stay focused on the mission, God will put us in the right positions to fulfill that. But when you seek the position, everything gets out of balance. But in our humanity, we seek position, status, stuff, whatever. You're right, we do all that. And so a couple, three weeks ago, or two weeks ago on the third week of the series, I talked about being positioned, but being positioned next to the source, your position with God. If you'll position yourself with God, he'll position you with man. But he'll position you in a way that fulfills mission, not just to fulfill position. If we can say it this way, it's more about the why than the what, but we're all caught up in the what. When's the last time we prayed about the why instead of praying for the what? Why do you want that? Why do you want that? Why do you want that? Understand God's more important uh, focus is on, the mission is more important to God. So he he shares these things with us, not so we can have an elevated position, but so we have an elevated mission. Or in other words, our mission becomes the most important thing. People on mission. We need to be on mission. Men, you need to be on mission. Let me give you five principles that will help you be on mission. Number one, understand your mission. There's a mission. There's a mission you're here. You're here, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. He was on a mission. We are on a mission. Our mission is to be a revealer of Christ so we can be a mediator between God and man because of Jesus' reveal, right? And so we're on a mission, so we have a mission. Some people get more focused on position and we have to understand that he positions us according to our mission, 
not according to our want. I'm gonna give this simple illustration when Callie was just little and starting out playing softball and, and I loved baseball and so she was gonna be my softball baseball player. And so we went, went to the first practice and there's all these little girls running around and chasing butterflies and picking flowers and all that. And I pulled Callie outside. And I said, Callie, right there is the coach. You stay by him the whole time. And she's like, but dad. And I'm like, no, no, no. Don't go out there and look at ponytails and all that, right? Say here. And, and, and when he's hitting the ball to the kids, you stand next to him and catch the ball in and put it in a bucket. When he has to go around and pick up all the balls, you be right next to him, pick him up and hand him the next ball. When he's pitching to the girls, you stand by him to catch the ball when the kids would throw it in and put it in the bucket. And at the end of the first practice, Callie stayed right there. Her position was right next to the coach. The coach came up to me and says, you know what? I think I'm gonna put your daughter right here in this pitcher's position. It's the most important one. It looks like she's got it all together. And I said, yes, sir, that's a great spot for her. And I said, this is her first time. She absolutely knows nothing what she's doing. <laughs> but she knew enough to stay next to the coach. And the coach then put her in positions of importance. She didn't seek that. Now that's a silly illustration, but that's truth. You say position by the coach, by the source, and he will position you. And he positions you in a way to fulfill mission, not to fulfill want. It's not about fulfilling. It's not, he's not gonna position you so you feel important. He's gonna position you for impact. And that's good for all of us especially because he loves taking the least important in man's estimation and using them for greatest of impact if they will focus on the mission and allow him to position them along the way. So we have to stay focused on the mission. We have to make that the highest of priority. And God position, God position means nothing if you do not understand the mission. He doesn't care. You can talk to him about position all you want. He's focused on positioning you for mission. If you will stay positioned next to him. So the mission does not serve the position. The position serves the mission. And any time God brings you through something or to something or gives you something you didn't have or promotes you in a way that you hadn't been, it's because of mission. So be aware in those moments of your mission. Why did he position you this way? Not just so you can celebrate your positioning and enjoy that, and you can, but not if it is greater than mission. And so it's important for us to stay focused. Men, you lead, and you lead families, and you lead in that way. So men, be mission-minded, not position-minded. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Let's take a look. Matthew 6, says this, but seek first his kingdom. Can I say it this way? But seek first his mission and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things, when you seek first his mission, you need to be on mission. I say it this way because I, I thought it was, I, I might say it, I, I don't need to set it up. Okay. Let me read it. I just made myself nervous by saying all that, right? You need to be on mission for the addition. You need to be on mission for the addition, all those things being added unto you. That's the way it works, on mission. So God shows Joseph a dream, and in the dream, his brothers are bowing down before him. Joseph didn't understand it was about a mission, and his brothers didn't either. Everyone was focused on position and not mission. 
And so understand whenever God promotes you, it's always because he has you on a mission. And I wanna remind you that God's given you every talent, every gift, every ability, every resource, every favor, every open door, every dollar, because he's interested in you in being on mission. He wants to entrust you with a mission. And that's why God blesses and prospers. That's why he promotes. He's not interested in you being important. He's interested in you being an impact. And so God's concerned about the mission and he needs somebody to represent him in that. Uh, here's another illustration because I was thinking about this. Thursday night we had a group of pastors from the area. Uh, I've graduated from Raymond Bible College, so uh, Raymond graduates in the area came on out. And then a few weeks ago we had another group of pastors from the Significant Church Network come on out. And every time pastors get together, we talk about stuff and we talk about stuff. And we had it on our campus, both those events. And I love having it on our campus because people say, wow, this is big. How many acres do you have? We've got 54 acres, right? And it's like, how many cars pass by here every single day? 125,000. And how many seats you got in your sanctuary? And everything seemed to be about this building and all that. But all I wanted to talk about is, yeah, but we have Special Olympics state event out here so people can come out and cycle. We have food, mega food distributions every month. We have a home delivery program. We have an Easter egg hunt for families with special needs children. We have this and we have, and I'm like, I'm focused on mission without even realizing it. I'm talking about mission and most of them are talking about position, if you will. What do you have? So understand, we have this to do that. That's why we have this. So can I just, there's some things I don't need to pray about. Because my position speaks to the mission. You have to be mission focused, mission minded. You, your marriage, is your marriage on a mission? Is your family on a mission? Is your money on a mission? And let me just say this, that's important, and I don't mean this ugly, but for those of you who do not give, your money needs a mission. God's mission. You, you want the blessing of God? He blesses that which is on mission. Your talent, your gift, your abilities, if you're not serving somewhere, you have those to be on mission. And not just here. Don't hear me in that. Not just here within these four walls. Out there too. Monday through Saturday. On mission. Men, you need to be men on mission. Man, your money needs to have a mission. Your marriage needs to have a mission. Your family needs to have a mission. If you want God's blessing, you have to be on mission. You have to be on mission. Uh, uh, do you see yourself on a mission? Do you? Because most people don't pray about mission, they pray about position. Most prayer requests I get is about position, not about mission. Does what you're praying for have a why, or is it just a what? And Pastor Dave said you're already blessed to be a blessing in your Refresh and you refresh other people. Okay, number two principle, we gotta keep moving. Number two is maneuvered. So number one principle is mission. You're on a mission. Number two is maneuvered. In other words, if you're on mission, God will maneuver you. He will position you. He will take you through things. So Joseph saw he would be in this place, but he did not see how he would get there. And when God has a plan for your life, if you're on mission, he will maneuver you. What Joseph saw, his brothers saw, was position, but even at that, God still used Joseph and maneuvered him. Now, if we know the story about Joseph, we know his brothers hated him, so they planned to kill him, but one said, hey, let's not kill him, let's just throw him in this pit and sell him to passing traders, and so they did. So Joseph finds himself in a pit. 
The good thing about that is God did not put him in the pit, but God used it as a maneuver to get him to the palace. Come on, somebody. So Joseph stayed steady in the pit, and he managed and handled the pit, and eventually he gets sold to these traders passing by, and, they sell, and then they sell him to Potiphar, who was an officer in Pharaoh's government. He was chief of all the guards, and so now he's in a very wealthy household, and if you follow the story, he went from the pit to Potiphar, and then he got falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and then he went to the prison, so he's down He's on top when he has the vision. Then he's on the bottom, and now he's back sold. Now he's on top because now he has prospered in Potiphar's household, and God had elevated him. Now he's running all his affairs. He gets falsely accused. Then he gets thrown into the prison. So now he's down on the bottom again, and then the, in, the, in the Pharaoh's prison, and then all of a sudden Pharaoh has a dream. He gets brought up to the Pharaoh, interprets a dream, and now he's in the, in the palace. Can you see all the moves and counter moves God's doing in that moment? The problem is you and I get caught up in the moment and not in the movement or the maneuvering of God. So God did not take him to the pit, but God took him to Potiphar's. He did not take him to the prison, but he took him to the palace. But he didn't take him around it. Because what Joseph learned in the pit and what Joseph learned in the prison, he needed to run the country. He's going to maneuver you in ways. I, I saw this picture. Where's everybody bowing down to me? I'm in a pit. <laughs> and God's like, I'm going to take this and maneuver you to the next step. But because he was in the pit, uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Can you praise him in the pit? <laughs> Can you praise him in the pit? Can you dance in the pit? Can you shout in the pit? Can you sing in the pit? Can you clap in the pit? Because if you can't do it in the pit, you're not going to do it in the palace. Because the maneuvering of God is going to grow you. He's going to use those moments to grow you. He's not going to create those moments, but he's going to maneuver you them through them. I almost said manure. That would have been bad. He's gonna, I don't know why I just said it right then. He's going to maneuver you through them and not around them. Why? Because his maneuvering is growing you. So if you can praise him in the pit, he can trust you to praise him in Potiphar's. If you can praise him in the prison, he can trust you to praise him in the palace. Maneuvering. Amen? Amen. Amen. You have to trust him in the pit before. Hey, hey, and that's why you don't go from pit to palace. It could destroy you. It could easily get you focused on position instead of mission. Everything looks different than how he planned. Everything looks different sometimes than how you planned. How you thought looks backwards, looks upside down, and you're in the pit. But can you praise him in the pit? Number three, management. Can you handle it? That's why the growth process is important. It's stewardship. If you're faithful in the little things, he can make you ruler of much. That's why you don't go from pit to palace. Because you have to learn how to manage the pit, not just the experience of the pit outwardly, the emotions, the relationships, the character, the integrity. Because don't make no mistake about it, the more you get elevated or promoted, the greater challenge there is on your character and integrity to stay focused on the mission and not get into pride or possession. It's position, not possession, amen? And so it grows you, management. Can you manage the feelings and emotions in the pit? Can you imagine, can you, 
the, the management piece for Joseph in the pit, and then all of a sudden he finds himself in Potiphar's, one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt, a wealthy man, a government official, and the Bible says, because the Lord was on him, he stayed focused on God, that it elevated him and promoted him to be over all the affairs of Potiphar's house. What do you mean? So Joseph went from the pit to Potiphar's? Like, did he have a degree in management and how to manage wealthy people's things? No. What university did Joseph go to? None. What experience did he have in, in running a wealthy household and all the businesses? None. He came from a pit. But he managed everything within him in line with the things of God. And God equipped him, and God elevated him, and God promoted him. He went to the school of hard knocks. But he learned. And he learned to praise God in the pit, to praise God in Potiphar's. Management. How are you managing your life right now? Can I just ask that question? How are you managing your emotions? How are you managing your relationships? How are you managing your marriage? How are you managing your family? How are you managing your disappointments? How are you managing your anger? How are you managing your stress? How, how are you managing all that? Because you need to learn how to manage that. Because it's not gonna get any easier the more he promotes you. Right? It's going to have challenge in itself. We want to go. We want to win the lottery. Can I say, I like watching. This sounds terrible. I watch those shows. The lottery destroyed my life. And I'm like, thank you, God, for not giving me millions. No, I don't ever pray that. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, I, I won't do that. I promise, Lord. Just five numbers. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. If you do win, tithe. Uh, it's just, it's, it's the management. Man, you got to learn how to manage that. How to manage your time. How to manage your schedule. It doesn't get slower. And it sure doesn't get easier. But along the way, God will take you at a pace that you can learn to manage that so you can grow from the pit to Potiphar's. You can grow from the prison to the palace. But you have to learn how to manage that to get to that place. Manage the mission. Learn how to manage the mission. Let's take a look at Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the riches? And if you've not been trustworthy in someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can you manage it? Whatever you have, manage it. People, problems, fears, insecurities, marriage, family, money, management. Take care of what you, we don't do that with our kids. And we want God to promote us and bless us in a way when like our kids, when you're not ready for it, you're not mature enough, you haven't shown me enough responsibility, right? God's not any different. He's a good father. And so we need to learn how to manage it. Number four, let me give you a fourth principle is mediation, mediation. Now, <clears throat> this is along the lines of mission. Now, Joseph has been moved into a position ahead of time. Before there was the need, now he's getting, we're getting close to the, picture he had, the dream he had, if you will, and God positioned him in a place before the need arose. And he did that so Joseph could mediate on behalf of his family and those in need. It's part of his mission. God was positioning him to a place ahead of time so he could mediate when the need arose on behalf of his family. So God moved Joseph in the position of the prince of Egypt. He went from the pit to Potiphar, to prison, to palace, 
And now he's in a position to mediate between the needs of the people and the resources. So Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph interprets it. Seven years of much, plenty, and seven years of nothing, famine. So Joseph interprets the dream for the Pharaoh. says, you're going to have a whole lot of resource for these seven years and none the next seven. But don't worry, Pharaoh, because I've managed a pit before. I've managed Potiphar's house before. I've managed a prison before. I can manage this for you. We'll put aside some in the seven years of fullness for the time when we have a lack. (coughs) I'll manage it for you. I got it. I'll mediate between the need and the resource. I got this, Pharaoh. I can mediate between the need and the resource. I did it in the pit, Potiphar's house, and in the prison. I know how to survive. Maybe Joseph would say this. Pharaoh, I had a famine of love in my home. How about this? I had a famine of support around me. I was in a famine of resource. I was in a famine of encouragement. I was in a famine of support, but I, but I learned to manage it because I stayed focused on mission. See, you gotta stay focused on mission and God will take you to the place then that you can mediate between the needs and resource. But I withstood it all and I can show you how to survive. That's why God takes you through it, not around it. So Joseph is in a position of power. And now Joseph is managing an entire country. So Joseph's brothers come to him, not knowing it's him. There's a famine. The father sends them to Egypt to buy food. So Joseph now is in a position to mediate between need and resource. The brothers didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized them. And I think it's important to note note that because in Joseph's recognition of his brothers, he had to remember the hate. They hated him, then they hated him more, and they hated him even more to the point they threw him in a pit, they were gonna kill him. He had to remember they hated him and threw him in a pit, forgot about him. So I think it's important for us to recognize not only those that love us, but those that hate us. See, because if you're on mission, you're on mission for everyone. You're the mediator between need and resource, whether they like you or love you or hate you or despise you. See, so Joseph had a moment there that he had through the course of this life managed God's maneuvering. Now he's mediating. And what that meant was Joseph had to make a decision. Was he gonna punish or was he gonna help? So as the story goes, Joseph helped, we know that. But what happened in that moment was what I believe is the most important part of this. I believe this picture came true in that moment because Joseph's character was revealed. And you remember we started this series, if you were with us, the very thing we talked about was our life is to reveal the character and nature of God. And Joseph is there in that moment and in front of his haters, he mediated between them, their need and resource. His character was revealed. And I think for you and I, we have got to make sure, men especially, 
We stay focused on the mission. We let God maneuver us along the way. We learn how to manage ourselves and emotions, our character. And then we become a mediator between need, resource for our family and those around us, whether they loved us or hated us. And what that does, it reveals the character and nature of God. And remember where I talked about our mission here is to be the mediator between God and man by revealing Jesus, the character and nature of God. In other words, Joseph's family lived on Joseph's character. Come on. Had it not been for Joseph's character, being focused on mission and not position. It's not about me, it's about you, God. Had he not managed his character, had he not risen to the occasion, stayed focused on the mission and been put in that position, he wouldn't be in a spot to help his family and those in need. People, let me say this, men, people in your life and people around you, whether they love you or hate you, might just need to depend on your character to survive. Amen. In other words, they need you to be on mission. They need you to be focused on this and not get distracted. Oh, we're gonna make mistakes along the way. We'll find ourselves in pits plenty of times, prisons plenty of times, but if we stay focused on God and manage that well, he will bring us out, take us to that next place in our journey but you need to reflect the character and nature of God because here's my last word, the last principle is manifestation. Because then all of a sudden, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And the scripture says Jesus is gonna be revealed to humanity. But I wanna read another scripture for you because I think it is so important. Romans 8, 19 says this. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This world waits for you and I to reveal Christ. Oh, here's what the world thinks. The world thinks we're just waiting for another president. No. The world thinks we're waiting for a stronger economy. No. The world thinks we're just waiting for world peace. No, and good luck with that. The world is waiting for men to reveal the character and nature of God. The world is waiting. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons, S-O-N-S, because don't just say Jesus, but it says sons. The world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The world is waiting for the daughters of God to be revealed. The world is waiting for godly marriages to be revealed. The world is waiting for godly families to be revealed. The world is waiting for godly homes to be revealed. The world is waiting for the church to be revealed, to stand up and look like Jesus. The world awaits. What will you do? Men, what will you do? Are you on mission? You need to be.
Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. 